1: This is an official download
2: from thecustardtv.com Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast It's me Matt again, happy December We're getting in the Christmas mood here with four very jolly shows No, not really uh, This week I've got Sarah back with me, how are you Sarah?
3: I'm fine thank you, how are you?
2: Yeah, not bad, not bad had the, uh, the works Chris. go on I was just going to say I the works say, Christmas do
3: Oh, did you? Yeah. That's a bit early, isn't it? you have
2: gone early on that. Yeah. Um, well, it seemed to be the the date people could do, and then people started dropping out. I planned it as well, so it all it didn't go wrong. But a lot of people just seemed to be ill and got injured and things. Mm. So, um, how are it, you?
3: Our, ours is in two weeks, mm. and I think I know what I'm wearing already. And I've bought some statement jewelry. So yeah, I'm I'm doing good, thank you. And I'm I'm very snuggly today. Um, I don't know whether the listeners want to hear this or not, but I'm podcasting from bed.
1: <laughs> mm. I can
2: confirm. Like, very nice ball. mural behind her as well.
3: Uh, it's just a wall hanging. I'm very cheap. Oh,
2: right. Um. It looks like a mural.
3: <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, so I just wanted the warmest room, basically, because I don't want to turn the heating on.
2: And uh, back with us again from the Honeymoon Period podcast, we've got Elaine with us. How are you, Elaine?
4: Yeah, I'm not bad, actually. I'm not snuggly. I'm in a room where a radiator doesn't work, so I'm absolutely freezing.
2: <laughs> just perpetuating that narrative about the north, I think, aren't you?
4: Yeah, I think that is. yeah. Mm, the north.
2: <laughs> and and, no, I was just going to say, how are you? Is, uh, are you prepared for Christmas yet? Because you've got a little one, haven't you? So I'm sure it's... Uh... Yes,
4: there's, there's lots of that going on. Uh, but unlike you two, I'm avoiding all Christmas parties this year. I've decided that's it. I've just had enough. I'd like to be at home on my own, preferably, um, and uh, and and just sort of taking it a little bit calmer this year. So my Christmas parties, so or works Christmas parties, and other Christmas parties have already been as well. They've been quite early this year, and I just took the moment to go. Mm, actually, this year I think it's just been a bit too much. So I've uh, I've taken myself away from from those. Um, so being slightly different, no glamorous statement jewellery for me sarah um although i might just get some for walking around the house i was
3: gonna say just wear them when you're doing the Hoover and it makes you feel a million dollars
2: i will what statement are you making with this jewelry sarah
3: <laughs> well i've got one necklace that's very rude that i do wear quite a lot but it's in like cursive writing so nobody can see that it says fuck the tories um <laughs> i've become quite famous for that necklace actually um this this other thing that I'm getting is like a big chunky plastic jewelry it's got like all of the planets on it it looks really cool
2: how many are you going to
3: um actually I've only got one booked in because again I said no to one I was like do I really want to have a curry in a restaurant that's really hard to get to with a bunch of people that I don't know very well so I I knocked that one on the head and that's okay this year especially Mm. because people are respecting the sort of like cost of living crisis you know If you only want to half, maybe half turn up to something, then my advice is don't save your energy and your money for something you really want to do.
2: There you go. Life skills from Sarah Kennedy there.
3: (laughs) The worst person to listen to.
2: There's a podcast in itself, I'm sure. (laughs)
1: Or a sitcom, maybe. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one.
2: This is the Custard TV Podcast.
1: Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com
2: Coming up then on the podcast this week, we'll be talking about some offerings from ITV's new streaming service, uh, ITVX. We've got a Spy Among Friends and Tell Me Everything. We have got the return of the I Am strand on Channel 4, I Am Ruth starring Kate Winslet and on Sky Comedy we've got Sheridan Smith in Rosie Malloy Gives Up Everything. Uh, But first let's do a couple of plugs. Uh, Elaine, your podcast, do you want to uh, explain it to people who haven't heard it before, missed you on the podcast the first time round?
4: So our podcast is the Honeymoon Period podcast. It's a podcast hosted by myself and my long suffering husband Mark. We started the podcast during lockdown um, after we suffered um, a bereavement with one of our identical twins died and we wanted to let family and friends know we were okay. We thought only a few people would listen, um, mainly Mark's mum. And, uh, and she did, but also other people did as well <laughs> from across the world. And that took us uh, quite by surprise. So two years and 120 episodes later, we are still reviewing the latest TV and film releases to come out um, with some bickering in, in between the reviews. And uh, you can catch us anywhere you get your podcasts. We are also on uh, at we're also at I always get this bit wrong. We are also at the honeymoon pod on Instagram and Twitter while it still exists
2: we make that gag every week it's quite I know. fun
4: <laughs> i feel like one of the gang because i've done it
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um sarah you asked me not to ask about your writing but i'm going to do it anyway
4: <laughs> okay
3: so we've got a lot of deadlines coming up a lot of really interesting things to write um but yeah life is just chaos at the moment so not a lot of pen has been put to paper yet Um, But yes, for Witterings, I am at Sarah Hamsterer on the Twitter.
2: We're about the same at the moment on the Custer TV. There's not a lot of new stuff, but we are updating the coming soon. So if you want to know what's upcoming, uh, that's all there. And um, soon to drop will be the the Christmas TV uh, fortnight. Um, So things to look forward to over the festive period if you're not going to uh, any Christmas parties like Elaine um okie dokie. Uh, let us get started then uh with this week's reviews uh first up is as i mentioned earlier we've got itvx coming uh thursday the 8th of december this is a new streaming service from itv it's essentially them updating the itv hub i think trying to make it a bit more user friendly but also putting a lot of their new shows on there first before they come on to Uh, The main ITV channels, they've said sort of up to six months before they drop on ITV. There's also, we'll be doing the sort of BBC iPlayer thing of, uh, you can stream all of it after the first series, first episode is dropped. And there's the option to pay extra to not watch ads. And you also get a uh, Box, I believe, as well. But uh, the first show we'll be looking at is um, A Spy Among Friends. This is uh, telling the story of uh, Kim Philby, who was uh, one of the most notorious double agents in MI6 history. Uh, Following a revelation that Philby was working for the KGB, his closest friend in the secret intelligence service, Nicholas Elliott, played here by Damian Lewis, tracks him down to Beirut. However, just a few days later, Philby escapes and is on a boat bound for Moscow. Philby's escape triggers an investigation by MI5, which is led by uh, Mrs. Lily Thomas, who's played by Anna Maxwell Martin, who believes that Elliott may have something to do with his friend's disappearance. However, was this due to do with loyalty or an MI6 plan to have Philby go undercover once again but this time divulge secrets about the KGB now before we go into sort of what we thought about this proper I have to ask Elaine Anna Maxwell Martin's character comes from Newcastle what did we think of the
4: accents (laughs) you know what for a long time and I feel really bad saying this because I love Anna Maxwell Martin for a long time I thought she was Irish um, and obviously I'm attuned from, from being from the northeast and I've lived here all my life. I'm attuned to people who are from around here so I can pick it up. And I get really excited when I find people as well. Like, oh, we've got like a Geordie on the on the TV. And um, she it becomes a plot point as well, because Damien Lewis's character does say to her, oh, you know, where, where's your accent from? And it's very clipped uh, English accent um, that I can't do. You know, then she sat on oh, and and then she builds it up and says, Oh, I'm from Durham later on. So um, I thought it was interesting. It was pinpointing as well exactly where she was from in, in the northeast, but it took me a long time to work out. I did at one point, just before I asked her the question, I thought, oh, I wonder if this is meant to be northeast. I wonder, you know, she's some of the little dips that she was doing, like that, like doing. Um, I thought, Oh, I recognise that, but I genuinely thought she was Irish for mo- most of it until they uh, put that plot point put point in it, Once it did it, sound it better it sounded so
3: weird coming out of her mouth yeah it was just it, ugh, it was too
2: false I didn't like it see I thought Scottish myself that's where I, my I went initially are you a fan of of spy dramas generally Elaine or do, you know is this something that appealed to you before I asked you to watch it or yeah,
4: yeah. I, I, I do like I like crime I like thrillers um I, I, spy drama you know spy craft, spy masters always very interesting to me um so yes when you said oh we're going to put this on and i knew it was really a flagship show for itvx as well there's been a lot of talk around this i think um damian lewis and nick murphy who is behind the show they've been on lots of other podcasts as well that i listened to that you know they seem to be doing the rounds and there's been pieces in the newspapers as well so really really pushing this uh so yes i was Intrigued as to what I was going to say.
2: And did you enjoy it?
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hard, isn't it? You know what? This is set in 1960s, and what I really, really loved about it was as soon as the you know that the first screen you know you open it up and you think, oh, I'm in the 60s everything's going to be okay it's not that I'm feeling like there's someone off camera with a mobile phone which you do get a lot of the time with a period piece you know that they've cornered a little bit of London and um, they've made it look like the 1960s but everything around them is you know is the modern day I didn't get that with this at all I really felt I could smell 1960s London you know people were actually you don't get this a lot now but people were actually smoking in rooms which they would have done at the time and they did have that so it felt quite authentic so that world build was wonderful. I just I just wasn't taken by the story. I didn't have anything there, apart from Anna Maxwell Martin's character, who's from the north, um, who's um in a mixed-race relationship. Her husband is black, he's a doctor. It, that was really interesting to me given that the time period and the racism that they would have inevitably come across at that at that time. I, I thought, oh that's really, really interesting. She's from the north, she's in the services. That was, you know, the only thread that really pulled me to it. But, you know, it's the old boys network. It's a lot of posh blokes in private members clubs chatting about being spies. And I just there just wasn't anything there for me to really hang my hat on. I felt like I'd seen it all before.
2: Sarah, same more. Bang on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was it was so unremittingly gloomy. Like, you needed to turn the contrast up to be able to see anything. It had the sort of Game of Thrones prestige TV problem, employ a lighting director. Um, I really wanted to spend more time with them in Beirut because at least that looked beautiful. But yeah, the, uh, they, they say at some point, don't they, to him, to Nicholas, bet you wish he stayed in Beirut because the rain is lashing down outside. Um, and then, of course, we've got Kim Philby himself I'll be checking with him every now and again on aboard a Russian ship which you can imagine pretty gloomy um it's I can see what they're trying to do and I can see that the the actors are great the the names connected with this project are brilliant um but it's basically head to heads um and so you know that could be great or not and so far it seems not um it also feels like it, they're expecting a lot of homework here mm. like there's no everyone knows the name kim philby possibly from other prestige tv stuff other films but then they they right towards the end they start talking about burgess and maclean and Kil, kim philby being the third man and that being a scandal from years behind uh, before that he squiggled out of but it's all presented in such a complicated way that it assumes a lot of prior knowledge I'm like, well, sorry, but your show is not that interesting to me to make me go, oh, better do my homework. Interestingly, this is from um, another book by Ben McIntyre, who's a bit of a darling on the BBC at the moment because um, of Steve Knight's adaptation of SAS Rogue Heroes, which is mm. doing numbers on the iPlayer um, and on the normal telly as well. So, yeah, to to have the same writer obviously this is you know works of historical fact would probably with a little bit of you know embellishment um but yeah to it's so strange to have two shows from the same sort of source material on at the same time for them to be so radically different there's like there's nothing fun about this um despite the last scene where they're at the theatre um is that more common wise on stage i, it is, I thought it? so
2: as well yeah
3: yeah, I wasn't sure if it, like, I was getting it a bit wrong, and I was thinking of like um, the goon, not the goon. You know what I mean, like the goon show, the goon show and stuff yeah, like that's that. Fine. Yeah, but yeah. that that would have been sort of fifties rather than early sixties, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah right,
2: right. So, lookalikes. I have
3: to. No, say, I I've, I've seen a better tribute act for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know they're doing. I think the. Uh, <laughs> The saran Jones Christmas Carol that's coming up. They've also got a more common wise lookalikes, and I think they do them a little bit better. But yeah, I I agree. I mean, Sarah, you certainly brought it up. It does feel very disorientating in that first ten minutes, doesn't it? Because they're fl- flicking around so many different things with the, the you know the the Beirut scenes, which I'm sure they will get to later on. Then you've got um. Kim Philby on the boat. Then you've got Anna Maxwell Martin coming in and who's this character. And it, it takes 10 or 15 minutes for you to settle into it. And then there, as you said, is the the prior knowledge. I know that ITV did a documentary uh, earlier in the year about spies that I saw some of. And that had, you know, I, I feel that that was like, if you watch this, then you'll understand this more. Yeah. Um, I, I did, like you said, Elaine, really like Anna Maxwell-Marty. She was probably the best part of this. There was a weird gag, recurring gag, about a sticky door in the room that she was interrogating him in, which I think was meant to be funny. But, yeah, it was. I, I really enjoyed the, the, the period setting and the, the editing was very good, uh, the performances. I mean, I think they did well um, sort of differentiated between the time periods because they had Guy Pearce look very slick in the 1940s but he's quite schlubby when you see him on on the boat in the in the 1960s i yeah just again like you said nothing to hang your hat on really is there i i I can't see anyone want sort of wanting to bed in and binge this which i'm assuming is what they want for these itvx shows is is sort of that bingeable quality uh, but yeah, I think we're all in agreement on this. Really, it's a shame because you know the the pedigree that is there, as you said, mm. it, it's not you know it's less than the sum of its parts. And I'm sure there'll be maybe some people will enjoy this. You know, if there's mm. people who um, like know the story perhaps and want to see yeah. how
3: people who it's got a PhD in 60s spy studies and the Cold War. <laughs>
2: or were there at the time remember the stories from the time perhaps um or you know are just interested in 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 the history of spies but I think for someone who's a novice it needed like even like a title card or something like that just a little bit of explanation ahead of going in so you know who these characters are
3: and it's not often that we want more exposition in our tv shows and here we are
2: no and and the one we'll talk about next has got a lot of exposition Uh, but this yeah just it needed something it was almost sort of too obtuse was trying to be too clever for its own good it's like look look how slick we are you know we are trying to be something more than an ITV drama this is our sort of new calling card show but yeah it just fell a bit short for me Tell Me Everything this is a new teen drama and Elaine's just going to quickly talk us through some of the, the basics of that
4: yeah, so as Matt says, this is a new teen drama series set in present-day Wellwyn Garden City. Uh, it's a show about growing up, those teenage years where you're you've just left school but you're not quite an adult, that sort of lovely midpoint where everything's very confusing. It uh, stars an ensemble cast of what I would call rising young British stars, led by Eden H. Smith, who plays John Joe. In episode one, we're very much dropped into John Joe's life and his story. Um, as, as Matt alluded to, he provides a voiceover throughout. Uh, so we're left at no doubt at what's happening at every moment. Um, the day before college begins for John Joe, he suffers a personal tragedy and he struggles with the aftermath of that tragedy and ongoing issues with his mental health. He's told his friends he's been away in Ireland for the summer, but we discover that he's been in his bedroom uh, by himself most of that, that time. Uh, He's joined by best friends Louis and Neve, and there's also a new girl, May, who we learn um, that perhaps there's more to her than meets the eye at the end of the episode. um, Something that we're led to believe has happened to May, we discover maybe she's not been telling the truth throughout. So an ensemble cast of, of young teen actors... Um, very much in the uh, vein of Skins.
2: This is a um, a new writer called Marco Sullivan, who based this on his teenage years, growing up in Wellman Garden City in the 1990s. Um, it does very much feel like it is a middle-aged man, <laughs> is it about teenagers? <laughs> Although he has br- braced the character of uh, Johnny slightly on himself, and I read that he was sort of consulting with his um, teenage children about this. And I remember Skins, I believe, was a collaboration between a dad and a son, if I remember correctly. Um, and you're right, this does feel very much like the 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 setup of Skins. They were starting college, weren't they, I think, in the first episode of Skins. Um, I, I went on to episode two, and that focuses more on May, because I was wondering, you know, this is very Johnny-centric. Are we going to focus on the other characters? Because they were all very much background players. We knew a little bit, like they mentioned, like neither been on the news or in the papers. Louis is very socially awkward. Apparently you get to know more about sort of the, the girls who are Regan and Zaya, who are then like objects of their affections and are very much sort of really background characters in this. May is the sort of stereotypical manic pixie dream girl who appears randomly in her little pink hat and um, try at one point gets Johnny to open up by threatening to jump from is it like a clock tower or yes, something yes
4: yes
2: so it's all very strange and didn't remind me of my teen years at all I have to say despite growing up in it's meant to be like small town life as opposed to growing up in a big city you know, they go out to this carnival and take loads of drugs, and then go down a helter skelter without any clothes on. Um, you know, there's a very he, there's a funeral where he almost has sex with one of his cousins, or he's midway through sex with one of his cousins. Let's just say. So it was. It, it's a very it's very much in your face, I would say. I mm. think is the is the way. Now, Sarah, the, I I could just tell. You know, the ones we've talked about this year, Conversations with Friends. And what was the other one on BBC? I've completely forgotten the name of. I just, oh, Everything I Know About Love.
3: Yeah, God, that was awful.
2: Where does this (laughs) stack up for you?
3: Do you know what? I think you'll be surprised. I wrote down, perfectly nice, but we've seen Jack Rook's Big Boys this year. And that did something similar to this with Bags More, humour and Walk.
2: I said I was going to say exactly the same thing, you know, focus on male mental health and bereavement and things like that. And that did it so much better. Sorry, Sarah, go on.
3: Yeah. And it's it's bad to be um, trashing the grief community, <laughs> because if this is something that has actually happened to this writer, then sad times, <laughs> because similarly, Jack Rook had this was happened to him, too, wasn't it? In fact, isn't his character called Jack and has the same? crazy curly hair as as he does yeah um but yeah i mean these you know these things happen and sometimes you can get a great tv series out of it and sometimes you can get an all right tv series out of it um the other thing that i wrote down was um it's like what would happen if neil from the in between has lost his dad oh yes
2: which one was neil <laughs> sorry i wasn't ever a massive uh
3: he was the sort of um, the tall well-meaning, one? tall, very... Like young... Harrison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, that's right. Yes.
2: Just tell me the actor, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I,
3: I, I, I did like Johnny's face acting. It was very good. Some good face acting in there. You can't help but feel for him. And I didn't find the little bits of his inner monologue to be that annoying. Like, I, it, was, it was fine. It was just, that's how you'd write a biography, I think um yeah the stuff at the funeral with his Irish cousins obviously was definitely the funniest but yeah otherwise it was just a bit forgettable I suppose if you actually live in or near Welling Garden City you know you'll be rooting for it but it's not for me
2: I don't know whether it would have been better had it been a a period piece you know setting and rather than having to have all this stuff about mobile phones and posting things on your insta where the writer possibly wouldn't be as O'Fay with because he didn't grow up with that. But Elaine, what did you make of it?
4: Well, I was just thinking about that because there was one one scene that, um, as as someone who's part of the the death community, Sarah says, that I really enjoyed, which was when he put on his Insta that he wasn't going to a funeral, he was going to a funeral (laughs) with the FUN in capital letters. Why have I not thought of that before? That's brilliant I'm gonna write that down. Uh, so the, and there were scenes with a with a priest as well which I found that the, the the conversation he had with me which was really really you know it's not what you would normally do but it was it was fun and I, I like that darkly comic humor. I just wonder if I'm the wrong demographic because most of the time I just spent just really wanting to give them all a big hug and a cup of tea and maybe sit down and talk about counseling. <laughs> and you know and and that's kind of where where I was coming from rather than being enjoying that experience of seeing them sort of taking the drugs and having sex and and all that most of the time I was thinking oh love calm down a bit it'll be fine you know these things come and go and you'll get older and you'll be tired so it's an age thing I think yeah
3: you need the person. you don't need the fun drugs
4: um, was Did... it Louis,
3: who was the sensible guy, who was picking up their clothes and chasing after them? I, like, I totally respected yeah. him. That's what totally. I would have been doing as a teenager as well. <laughs> you'll need these back, you'll get cold.
2: <laughs> you With the sort of, the designated chaperone, were you say, Yeah,
3: that was it, cool. yeah.
2: You sort of rebelled <laughs> as you got older. <laughs> exactly, that's right. <laughs> um, and I think another element that they put in here is like me, most of the adult characters are idiots i found i don't know if that was like a you know there's the guy who's the trainee counselor who's doing a course but normally teaches media studies and as you say there's the priest who's like the other priest um that seemed to be like a and skins did that as well didn't it where mm-hmm. all the adult characters are are idiots but i just it feels like maybe as well that there was an initial idea here and then it got changed when maybe mm. sort of itv got their hands on it a little bit and we have to make it a bit more sexy we need to have, put some drugs in here put some you know because this is what skins did and we want this to be sort of our skins yeah. um did you Alea, i know sarah's feelings on this but did you watch normal people and, yes,
4: I uh, did. Yeah, did you enjoy I, that? I did. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I love the relationship and, and actually all the relationships involved in in normal people. It really took me, um, in a way that I didn't expect because I hadn't read the book, and I, I, not just the connection between the main characters, but also the relationships with other family members as well. That relationship that she has with her mother and the brother and oh there's some of that that was very very difficult to watch and to to take in and really stayed with me actually so yeah I, I really really love normal people this is very this is very different isn't it yeah. it's very different vibe. I, I love the soundtrack it's raucous and they had the buzzcocks um, everybody's happy nowadays as the opening song and it's quick edits and a very very different atmosphere
2: yeah, but you didn't feel I suppose didn't feel too old for normal people was my sort of picking up on.
4: No, oh. I suppose not. I think because we we see them going through time, and I'm someone who works at a mm. university as well. So when they got into the university side of things, I could I, I I'm around lots of people who were who were that age, and I speak to lots of people in that demographic, so that didn't feel too far removed. Whether where was this? I think Johnny's meant to be 16. I read. Um, and I, I couldn't that that's not what came to me when I first started watching it I got a bit of a shock when I saw that he was in that sort of that teen going from his GCSEs into his college years um yeah the actors look older. about 25
2: <laughs> yeah as they always do in these things more or less you know occasionally you get the actor who is of the appropriate age but mm-hmm. generally um they're a lot older And I don't know if as if they're trying to do like a, a British euphoria was the other thing I don't know if Have you watched Euphoria, really?
4: Yes, I have, yeah. Yeah, a slightly lighter version of Euphoria, Mm. maybe. But yeah, I see what you mean.
2: Yeah, because these drugs didn't seem to affect them the way that drugs Mm affect the the main character there. But uh, yeah, so um, this also on ITVX. We're turning now to Channel 4, another sort of look at teens and and social media and and things like that. This is uh, the... Have either of you watched any of the I Am films before? Did you watch Sarah? Not at all. Elaine, did did you watch them all? Or?
4: I haven't watched them all. I watched the um. I can't remember what her name was, but I watched the Saran Jones I Am. Mm.
2: That was Ooh, around. No, I did
4: watch that one.
2: Was that around like mental health and? It was. was yeah. But bi- was she bipolar? Do yeah, I remember that right? Yeah, I
4: think. They never
2: did, really said. Did never they? Never really
4: say, um, but mm. certainly having a mental health crisis.
2: And that that was I mean, I think I've seen them all Uh, the one with I think they're all on all four. I would really recommend the one with Vicky McClure. That's all about domestic abuse. Anyway, this has got Kate Winslet in. It's I am Ruth and Sarah, if you could just uh, set it all for us.
3: Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, So um, this is Dominic Savage and Kate Winslet and they've co-authored this, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, Kate Winslet is Ruth, who is a suburban middle class mother with two children. Um, Billy, the older boy, is at university um, and Freya is the daughter who's still at home. Um, Freya is age 17 and their relationship at the moment is frosty. Nobody is talking to each other and nobody is making an effort to talk to each other. And I thought it was just Awfully depressing and very sad and very recognizable at the beginning. a mother and a daughter just not talking to each other, um, but it culminates in um, quite early on we see these little hints, but again nothing nothing outlandish, nothing soap opery that Freya has got a problem she's restricting her eating um, she's obsessive washing she's taking pictures of like semi clothed pictures of herself to be judged on Instagram or similar social media. Um, And her mum is convinced that this is all social media's fault. It's all the fault of the phone. Um, But I think uh, Ruth is very lonely. Um, She might have an unhealthy relationship with food and exercise as well. We see her at like a um, spin class. We see a cold water swimming. This is something that she does every week. Um, we also see her immediately coming home and reaching for the wine in the fridge, halfway through an argument with her daughter. And these are screaming, yelling, obscenities, arguments when they finally do communicate. It's just that volume. Um, she goes, I can't do this. And she runs to the fridge for something to eat in the middle of a conversation. I'm like, love, your daughter has not learned all of these bad habits and self-hatred from the Internet. It's from you as well. Um So this is um, it's with adverts. This is a two-hour-long feature-length special uh, that is unremittingly bleak. (laughs) Um, It is hard work, and I knew that going into this. And I think I don't know. I think I don't know whether it's it's particularly affecting for a woman, or just for anyone who's ever had a, a tough time as a teenager. It's really hard to watch this. Um, What's heartbreaking is especially how Ruth sort of lavishes praise and love on her son who's at university. Um, And it's just a a lesson in how not to parent your child. She does everything wrong and everything is very emotional and she's very selfish. And that she tells her daughter how this is affecting her and makes her child feel like an inconvenience. Um, Fortunately, the school is paying attention and they know that something's wrong, but um, I think snobbishly, um, but also wanting to remain in control, Ruth is like, I don't need any help. It's very embarrassing to need a counsellor. But yeah, matters do come to a head and um, Freya does get some help. But these things with mental health, there's never a magic bullet. So this is going to be a process. Um, It was very naturalistic. It was extremely claustrophobic. The camera was always right in somebody's face or right on their shoulder like a like a pirate's parrot. (laughs) Um, I found it. uh, Distressing, it was all antagonism. It was boring in places because we're essentially watching someone who's inert and depressed. I think a worthy, important subject has got to be more watchable than this it can't all be just messages and no entertainment I'm sure it will resonate with a lot of parents and teenagers if they can stick it out um the one thing that I did learn um and did not know this until I did my research this afternoon was the girl who plays Freya is Mia Threppleton who is Kate Winslet's actual daughter so that must have been quite a trip for them to have to yell across the kitchen at each other because I'm sure they would have done that in their real life as well but fancy having to bring that to the screen
2: yeah I mean I I did a little bit of research on this and how they sort of act this is that Dominic Savage comes in with a sort of a story rather than a script and sort of they, they story they talk through the scenes together and say what we're going to do in this scene. So. All of the I Am's have been co-authored between Savage and, and the actress. It's always one actress who's central to it. And um, from what they were saying as well, they had an initial meeting in Kate Winslet's kitchen and they sort of decided that it would be her daughter sort of came in. She's been acting since 2018, I was reading, so she's quite new to this. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I I essentially agree with a lot of the stuff you said there, Sarah. Um all the other IAMS have been, you know, 45 minutes without ads, so fit in an hour slot. And I was wondering why they decided this was going to be a feature length because there wasn't that much contact con content. That's the word I was looking for in there. I mean, the the last sort of 10-15 minutes, you were led to believe that something sort of significant is going to happen. And then it does, you know, we, we're leading, are we leading up to a trauma? She's taking son back to the uh, train station and leaving daughter unattended. Um, and is something going to happen? Luke's criticism of all of these films has been that nothing nothing really happens at the end or nothing really happens throughout. And I think you could say the same here. I thought Kate Winslet was... was you know it's kate winslet so she's gonna give a good performance isn't she and actually i thought mia Thrappleton was good it, it's re- this this will sound really hard she was good when she wasn't speaking i don't know if that makes sense like her in those scenes where she's taking the photos you can tell so much you know her her sort of physical acting her body movement she conveys that sort of uncertainness of teenage life. I mean, this is something as the only person on the podcast who'd never been a teenage girl, I I couldn't relate as much, but you know that you're not sure where you are and actually where she confronts her and says, tell me how you're feeling. And she says, I can't. I felt that was quite, you know, that was a good scene, but there's just so much that's dialogue free, which I, I don't mind as much, but I just thought here, because we had 90 minutes with these characters, they didn't give us enough, which is a shame because there is, as you say, there's important stuff in there. And actually um, EastEnders are doing a similar storyline at the moment with self-harm. And actually that seems to be really well researched and within the body of a soap, you can fit those scenes in without them being too overexposed or too, you know, just, as I say, I think they tried to make this, realistic but to the detriment of maybe an audience who are just waiting for something to happen what about you Elaine
4: yeah I I agree with both you I'm just nodding away (laughs) frantically as you're both speaking because I I I found it very distressing like Sarah says it was a distressing watch and at times I walked away from it because I needed just to Mm. have a little bit of a break um because I found Freya's um, descent in, into despair and depression, anxiety, self harm. Let's like say OCD traits, it just to be really, really upsetting. And also um, Ruth's reaction to that. Whilst on the surface, you know, when she first starts out and she 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 does this thing, and it must, it must have been something she's 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 thought to do because there's been a lot of thought put into this, but she's calling her darling and she's got, come on down, darling, come on now darling. And it's all very light and it's, she's not antagoni- antagonistic. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And let's, you know, she's really trying to diffuse the situation. and think, Oh, go, good parenting Ruth. And then she'll turn around and call her a name or she'll do all of those, the, those things that Sarah was talking about that we know aren't good when we're modeling that to our children. And, and really undermines everything that she's doing. Mm. And then you can completely see where Freya's picking this up on. And I, I suppose, as an audience member, I was thinking about this. I suppose we we are put in the position where we are judging... Ruth's parenting, and and mm. in every scene where we're being asked to make a choice, is she a good parent? Is she a bad parent? And I thought that was very interesting to to be put in that position because then I felt bad for judging her, the thinking, well, what would I do if I was in this situation? Would I be able to remain calm, and or would I be going to the fridge and you know getting out a big bar of dairy milk, and you know <laughs> probably yes. Uh, you know, how would we cope with with this? Well, maybe we would cope by going cold water swimming just to get uh, get out of the house because, as you say, it is so claustrophobic. Mm. And and then I think that's my problem with it is that things went on for so long. There's so much silence, which is effective, but as an as a viewer. I found myself wanting to skip ahead a little bit skip ahead a little bit and as you say Matt I was waiting for a denouement I was waiting for something to happen I was waiting to find out what was going on with this social media because they don't give us a massive insight into the sort of sites that she's using or what she's doing there's there's some suggestion that she's taking photos um that are um utilizing BDSM or you know or um the photographs are almost Getting um, more and more explicit, and at one point I thought maybe she's sending these photos to a particular person, or she's being coerced into sending these photos. She's being blackmailed, you know. And the, there's a beautiful scene actually with the the school, the teacher, and and Ruth. And where they're saying, you know, we've seen a difference in the last year. Has something happened? And I was waiting to find out what that something might be. And maybe it was something to do with Ruth. Maybe it was something to do with the. I, at one point, I had a moment because my, my whole um, crime drama head came on. I thought, oh, is it the brother? Is the brother doing something to, to you know, to upset her and oh, some kind of abuse? And you know, I was trying to my is- brain was going like that.
3: There's no mention of Dad either, so I was no like, "Well, way. is that the missing link? Mm. Is there a, a void in this family for some reason mm. never
4: mentioned and 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 of course, in real life, there isn't off you know there's often not a, a, a there's a case where something big happens and then there's so i I can see that this hyper realism but it just left me hanging quite a lot mm. um, so completely in agreement with with everything you said, I thought it was beautifully acted um I can't fault. The, the acting at, at any price, I just thought it was it was wonderful, and I thought Mia Threppleton has to go to some really, really dark places with her mm-hmm. actual mum yeah. <laughs> you know that is, you know and you tell ta- you just know they've had those arguments, you just know that when they're shouting things at each other mm-hmm. they're probably meaning a bit of it because um, it made sense it was so especially that first
3: rage like stand up like rage in the kitchen was so fierce it completely makes sense now because both of those actresses could completely 100% trust each other and like draw on their own life together for it.
2: Maybe you needed that added realism in this, you know, I don't, maybe it would have worked with another actress, but you, you can, but as you say, you can believe it more that these two actresses have had those arguments before. But I do, Elaine, to what you're saying, I do agree that I was waiting for that sort of to put the correlation between the mental health issues and the social media, because these were two things that they were sort of playing on. And, you know, you heard the, the beeps going off in the middle of the night. I think, you know, you were meant to take away from it that it's this like um, want of sort of self-esteem and um, sort of positive affirmation you know what I got from it was she's seen other people maybe post similar photos and get lots of praise and she wanted that but again I was having to do that work you know it was never explained
3: we're all old enough to remember hot or not aren't we which was probably the first terrible terrible thing on the internet yeah people used to put a picture of themselves and get rated by randoms which I think is probably fed into social media as we know and loathe it now
2: that skipped me by completely, Sarah. I was obviously uh, too Doesn't. innocent for things you're, like you're
3: that. Uh, <laughs> you're obviously far healthier mentally than we are.
2: I wouldn't go that far. Um, but uh, yeah, just like, and it felt like they never really explained, about, like they felt they didn't need to explain about the dad, mm. but that would have maybe given more context about the family unit, maybe.
3: But... Yeah, I wasn't looking for easy answers because I can mm. tell the whole point of this is, uh, this child's in mental distress. We don't know why. She doesn't know why, and that's fine, and that's normal, and that should be a message that is repeated on media. Not your life doesn't have to sort of explode in like fiery chaos for things to be a bit bad, and for that little kernel of bad to get bigger and bigger, and you don't know how it started. But for a story, it needs some context.
2: Uh, and I think. The, the general feel of all of these films, if you'd seen them before, is that they're gonna sort of it, it is trying to be as naturalistic as possible. And I, I just my, my big question was I I don't think it it could have told this story in a lot less time as well. I think mm. I don't know, you know, do you agree that there wasn't anything in here that justified the length? Do you think it could have been like half this length and it would have been sort of more succinct? Or did you appreciate the longer the feature length or
4: I, I didn't I think 45 minutes would have been enough because I mean I've only watched one of the other I am's but that was enough to tell that that story the Saran Jones story and um, from what you've said you know the others that you've seen um contained with within within that 45 minutes it it just seemed to go but then I thought it was building so I thought well we've got this length because we're building to something big and then mm. that didn't happen
3: no I um like you have only watched another one um and i'd seen the adverts for this cuz it had been trailed like a lot and i thought god this is this is going to be harrowing but really important to watch and then i clicked on the preview link and it said an hour and a half and i went oh no <laughs> that's not the reaction you want <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah um but yeah there are two other, i'm not quite sure when they're coming cuz normally they they're sort of weekly um, films so I'm not sure when the other two are coming but they, they've definitely done two more of these so um, but would you be tempted to watch any more if they were shorter does it, does it depend on the, the subject matter and the actress yeah yeah,
4: I, th- I think it does for me I, I find them hard I, f- I find them really difficult and th- there are times where um, for personal circumstances, I have to stay away from, from stuff just to protect your own mental health as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it would have to really be something that I was deeply interested in and then I was prepared for, and then I would go into it going, oh, okay, right, mentally, I'm okay with this. I'm gonna go in and if I need to walk away, I can walk away. Um, at the moment, having seen both the Saran Jones and this one, it's not something that I'm running towards with open arms.
1: Okay, round two, name something that's not boring. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Which are only really the two that are focused on mental health because they do, again, have not being a woman, I'm saying this a lot, um, you know, they do focus on issues, I think, affecting women. There was one with Gemma Chan where it was looking about sort of her biological clock running out and how you know she was looking at different you know uh, harvesting her eggs and things like that which isn't something you see a lot of in tv drama so that was an interesting one leslie manville did one where you know it was her 60th birthday and she decided to leave her husband so there was there, i think the two that you've picked to like <laughs> I'll <just> do that.
4: <laughs> yeah uh,
2: do focus on mental health because they are di- they are different issues but um You know, I I would recommend some of them. This one, I just think it was too long and they just didn't do enough to justify that length. And I wonder, are they thinking about putting it in cinemas? Is that why they've done it for an hour and a half? Because sometimes, you know, there's like, I was just thinking of the Small Axe films that they released on BBC several years ago, and some of those did get released in cinemas. Because that's the only thing I could think of, why it was this length, but... um.
3: As you were saying about not being a woman, I really hope that every day Dominic Savage gets up and repeats that mantra to himself as well.
1: Hmm. Uh,
3: I I mean, I don't know the guy and I I don't know his body of work other than this, but why is he telling women's stories for us? Do we need that anymore? Is that a bit weird and paternalistic? I mean, fair play, he's working with the actresses, Mm -hmm. but just feels a little bit... it should be a woman
2: rather than a man doing this
3: i i I really feel that it would be i mean it's good but i really feel it would have that extra sparkle of authenticity if it was it just feels a bit strange but hey dominic you do you sunshine
2: yeah okay I, i'm not going to defend that at all because i feel like i'd be fighting a losing battle so we'll just leave it there um so yeah so that is um nine o'clock channel four on thursday the 8th as well and finally we head over to sky comedy this is um rosie malloy gives up everything it uh stars sheridan smith reuniting her with Susan Nixon, I believe is the the writer's name, who wrote um, Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps, and also uh, Grown Ups, which was another Sheridan Smith BBC Three sitcom. This starts with Rosie waking up in hospital uh, the day after her brother Johnny's wedding. We flash back to learn uh, Johnny had recruited Rosie to be his sort of best man, best person. Um, at his wedding, she's horrified to learn that it was a dry wedding due to the bride's mother being a recovering alcoholic. Uh, despite this, she sneaks in both uh, drink and drugs into the ceremony, which leads to her collapsing and being in hospital and her sort of falling out with her brother. Um, desperate to make amends, Rosie decides to give up everything—from drugs to casual day sex with her boss to chocolate oranges. However, she faces skepticism from both her family—parents here, oddly played by Mrs. Doyle and Father Dougal, oddly yeah. <laughs> and uh, Pauline McClint—and um, she's also got a sort, uh, somewhat enabling flatmate, Nico, who's sort of egging her on to, um, you know, drink and do drugs and what somewhat. have you somewhat i would
3: i would that's not no definitely not somewhat there's no somewhat in that sentence
2: <laughs> well she's making her own choices i suppose that's what i'm saying you know it's she, he's doing it but she's making that choice anyway um but as the series goes on we learn more about where rosie sort of acts this way and whether she will ultimately be able to give up everything did anyone watch past episode one
4: yes i watched you, episode two
2: and elaine
4: no, episode one only for me. OK,
2: because I think episode two, if you do watch on, it sort of ex- explains the character a little bit more. And I wondered why they left it. You know, they do explain why she is acting this way. Did you agree, Sarah? You know, they, they do give you a little bit more context around the character.
3: Yeah, no, I I think that was fine or else episode one would have just been a pity party. And we need to see her firing on all cylinders and being that sort of like crazy rock and roll um, because, like, horrible as it is, that sort of self destruction is kind of entertaining. I mean, you know, the the theme song references Amy Winehouse.
2: Yeah. We're in and, that
3: situation here, we're in that territory.
2: And I think, I mean, I'm not t- talking out of turn here, I'm sure at some point you've jumped in at Haribo and watched Drag Race. Am I right in that?
3: <laughs> I, I don't like Haribo. Oh, okay. <laughs> Everything else about that is accurate. <laughs>
2: What did, you,
3: what did you make to it then, Sarah? Um, I quite enjoyed it. A difficult thing to enjoy, but so nice to see Sheridan Smith back doing comedy again. And I thought her parents were wonderfully cast. I mean, what a great couple. I'd want to be friends with them too. Um, my major overriding thought was, like, how can she be this dependent on everything? Like even stuff I've never heard of, she's probably addicted to. Um, How can she be this self-reliant, be promoted at work and have so many friends who adore her? Like, I wish I could be half that adorable and half that squiffy all the time. You
2: you are adorable, Sarah.
3: Go on, I'll give you some affirmation. Cheers. I know I, I, I... I enjoyed it I wanted to enjoy it and I'm glad that I did enjoy it and of course because of the subject matter it is a little bit difficult in places and you wonder about whether you should be laughing at this sort of thing um but it is I think it's pitched well between you know let's have a proper think and a proper talk about addiction and also look she's fallen into a flower arrangement you know um and I think maybe with a lesser actress it wouldn't have been quite so good um yeah I was just um I did want to just point out the Luke special because we do flick forward and backward in time in the first episode but doesn't that make perfect sense if your life is sort of lived in chaos I, I thought th- that
2: made sense.
3: I, I wanted thought... actually, I wanted to see a bit more of the wedding and and the stag do.
2: I was just going to say the exact same thing.
3: Because that's got <laughs> to be completely debauched, hasn't it?
2: I thought we would see more of the wedding than we did, rather than just a very quick uh, edited sequence. Uh, how did you feel about this, Elaine?
4: Oh uh, yeah. Um. First of all, tinier for comedy. So for me, comedies are always a uh, you know, what, how am I going to feel about this today? Um and usually coming down on the I don't really understand it. Um and this this was similar. I wanted to like it. I had so much goodwill because I love Sheridan Smith. I think she's wonderful in you know everything she's And she's giving it everything in this, you know, as the titular Rosie. She is going for it. This is very much her vehicle. Um, I really like the fact that the brother was played by is his name Lewis Reeves, who is DC Jake Collier in Unforgotten. So I was excited when I when he popped up as well. Oh I, from no, oh I didn't spot
2: that no I saw the actor but I, I couldn't place him from that
4: so yeah I was like oh unforgotten lovely um so you know the series of quick flashbacks the connection to two pints of lager in a packet of crisps the the soundtrack again should have really been you know taking taking me along because I loved um um two pints but just I think I'm just too old like genuinely I think because uh, all I wanted to do and it's a bit like tell me everything all I wanted to do was like sit her down and cup of tea blanket and, and bundle you would have felt, to the about, you felt the same about
3: I am Ruth as well mm, yeah yeah, yeah. Just communicate it's okay to <laughs> ask for help with your mental health for god's sakes you and don't want to rattle around comedy. in your own brain with yourself. That's the worst thing. Is that the
2: title of this week's <laughs> podcast?
3: It is. It is. Get out <laughs> of your own brain. Do and not this... live in there the
4: whole time. It is bad for you. <laughs> like, I realise this is a comedy, right? I really, really like... And I'm coming at it from a very serious perspective. But it did say on the titles, addictive new comedy. And I'm just not sure. And this is probably just just from my point of view. I'm just not sure that addiction's that funny. And this is completely from a person who thinks death's hilarious. So I should be completely on with the old addiction or tragedy. I should be saying everything's funny, but I just didn't find it funny. And that's that will be me. That will be a personal thing because comedy for me it, it, it's just not a not a thing that I can quite get my head around for all sorts of reasons I loved seeing Ardlo Hanlon and, and, and uh, Pauline McLean as, as the parents the very very irresponsible parents I just wanted to give mm. them a shake as well because our dad's obviously in, in dire straits and our mum's going oh a dry a dry wedding what's that about With the the, the mum of the bride is an alcoholic of course it's gonna be a dry. so yeah maybe I just come at it from a very very serious perspective and this this just wasn't for me. I didn't feel compelled to go on to episode two. But from what you've said, maybe I should give it another turn. Well, a, another
3: no spoilers for episode two, but it gets a bit more deathy. There's a oh. Stoops on more death. So. Well, maybe it's very that's death-y. for me. Yes, you might, you right. might be on home turf by episode two. <laughs> right, I'll give it a go.
2: There's sort of past death and present death, isn't yeah. there? Because you sort of yeah. learn
3: there's a hint of a death in the past as well
2: i mean what i would say is that all episodes are available from wednesday the 7th which is when this podcast should be going out so you know all all episodes are dropping on now even though it's only the first episode that's available on sky comedy i would sort of say it feels very like two different things here because when you've got Mm -hmm. Ardlo hall and pauline mcclynn i found all those scenes hilarious they were you know, I felt like it was in an episode of Derry Girls. You know, the way they were speaking, the I don't know if Susan Nixon has got Irish parents, but it does feel very much like this is how Irish parents are. Those bits I enjoyed. I felt that the, the flatmate Nico felt very much like a comic creation. There was nothing there that felt real about him. It's like we need this, like, devil-on-her-shoulder type character, and that's where he comes in. But... I I didn't, he was the bit that sort of felt a bit clunky for me. I thought, I I agree, Sarah, that it's great to see Sheridan Smith back doing comedy. She seemed to be having fun with this. She seemed to be living her best life. And actually the, the more sort of serious stuff that comes in episode two, I think you need an actress like Sheridan Smith to do that while still having the comedy. But it just didn't like, I think there was something that didn't really ring true because even though like it's a comedy, you need like we were talking about big boys at the start, you know, mm. there needs to be some level of truth to this, and I just feel that it wasn't there. And you know, it's odd. I was looking at Susan Nixon's IMDb, and she hasn't really done anything apart from those two Sheridan Smith comedies. So, um, and now this one, uh, so I do wonder what she's been doing.
3: Can we just give it up? Give it up for some of the lines here, though, because yeah, go my on. goodness um Monica another comedy creation um her loyal dog's body at work idolizes her she says what a work ethic she's like a shire horse with better tits <laughs> I thought it was great um also um speaking of, of the intervention that, that took place a couple of years ago she said I just thought it was a terrible birthday party Um, and in episode two it's the line from the advert where she says if she can reduce everything that she ingests by 50% she'll turn herself from Keith Richards to Lindsay Lohan and she still looks hot (laughs) oh yeah um, the second episode introduces us to Monday lunchtime tequilas that they bring forward to 10am at work
2: is that something you're going to introduce (laughs) going forward
3: absolutely not no <laughs> i'm sleepy after a big lunch never mind morning tequilas
2: maybe that should be the title of this episode <laughs> Well, certainly the title of your autobiography sleepy after a big Sle- lunch by sarah kennedy
3: <laughs> i have so many to choose from i just need to write it now <laughs>
2: okay so yeah that is as i say sky comedy uh from wednesday and uh you can watch it all on now now um so yeah so that's another podcast done um do you want to just uh go through where we can find you i'll start with elaine
4: so uh, we are the honeymoon period podcast you can find us anywhere you get podcasts and at the honeymoon pod on instagram and twitter and sarah um, I am at Sarah Hamster on Twitter, and
3: my TV writings are at now.co.uk.
2: And we are at Custard TV Pod. I am at Matt's TV Bar. it's Luke at Luke Custard TV. Um, Please rate, review, and subscribe to us. And if you would like to be on the podcast, then please uh, send us a DM or you can email us custardtvreviews at gmail.com. Next week, we will be talking about. Uh, David Tennant in Litvinenko. We will be talking about The Return of Little America on Apple TV. And uh, Copenhagen Cowboy on Netflix as well. So that is all to come. Uh, But thank you for listening and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find
1: us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realize that they're not alone.
2: Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. (laughs)